Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's a lot that, I mean, thankfully we had time. We were in Turkey together for about two years before we um, came to the U.S., but there was there so there was still time to do some of that like well what are we doing let's figure it out as we go sort of thing but yeah it still does at some point come down to that point of like well what are we going to do how are we going to continue to be together i was feeling really ready to to come back home i had lost uh, my grandfather while i was gone and my grandmother was was getting you know her condition was was worsening and i felt like i needed to be home um and so we were trying to figure out well how can we both be there how can we be at least be closer can we now this is kind of a funny story our, our first thought was like well maybe we can both go teach english somewhere in latin america because i had in my research i had found that that was there were countries in latin america where a non-native english teacher could actually find work you know obviously it's really it would be really hard or impossible for my husband to teach english in the u.s but you know i was just trying to check out our our options and um the it it just it ended up kind of being like a comedy of errors like we were trying to get jobs at this one one school where about midway through the process someone told me the uh, at the school told me that well we can only hire casey because uh you know your husband's got an accent and so we can't hire him well your fiance at the time but um you can both come he there'll be options for how he can get there. You're just going to probably have to get a spousal visa. And at that point, actually we weren't engaged yet. At that point we were just dating. And so we looked at each other and we're like, well, is there an option that's not going to like piss off both of our families because we can't get <laughs> married just so we can both, you know, be in the same country. Um, and then that was, that was kind of the impetus for a conversation about well, like, Hey, you know, this isn't a super romantic way to propose marriage to each other, but yeah, that's an option. You know, we can, we're, we're committed. We know we're in this thing. So let's explore what our options are, um, how that would even work, you know, like getting married, where would we go? To, where would we be? Where, how would we get there? All that kind of stuff. So that was the beginning of researching like the fiance visa process and all of that fun stuff. How you day, how you day. That was the voice of Casey. And as you can tell, we were talking about love, international love, cross-cultural love. Now, if you've watched the movie, The Proposal with Ryan Reynolds and Sandra Bullock, one of my absolute favorites, by the way, you can see the dynamics of what is actually involved when you're trying to get married to someone from another country. If you've watched 90 Day Fiance, you can also see that depicted on TV. Now, those two mediums, the reality show as well as the movie, show exaggerated versions of what 
is actually involved in the process. And that's where Casey comes. Casey's an American who got married to her husband who was Turkish. And the process involved is what we dive into today's episode. What is the process involved and what is uh, the external environment around that? How do you get yourself mentally prepared for that? How her interest in helping others has spawned this movement where she really has become the thought leader in the space for not only helping people understand the, the intricacies and the nuances involved in cross-cultural love, but also making sure that they are ready beforehand and they have the right mindset. But the topics we discussed weren't only centered around love. We talked about her thoughts on bias, on culture, on travel, several things that I'm sure everyone can gain knowledge from. All right, enjoy the episode. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of As Told by Nomads. And today's guest is Casey McCormick-Chipchi. Now, Casey is an intercultural relationship coach and the founder of Borderless Stories, which provides resources, support, and community for women in intercultural relationships. A teacher by training, she lived and worked in Ireland, Germany, South Korea before a move to Turkey changed the course of her plans and her life forever. Borderless Stories was born while Casey and her husband, Hussein, we're beginning the K-1 visa process and navigating an intercultural international relationship. That leads me to what today's podcast is about. We're going to be talking about intercultural love. What exactly is involved in the process? How is it stressful? How is it amazing? All the in-betweens. And we'll also be diving into her origin story as to why she became the amazing thought leader that she is today. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Tayo. I'm really excited to be here. Well, the pleasure is mine. And uh, I remember how we got started into this. I, I was on your show and mm-hmm. we, you were interviewing me. And, and then in the process of just learning about you, it became immediately clear that your story needed to be told. Uh, just because even the a lot of the audience here, they they identify with several cultures. They sometimes identify as third culture kids or TCKs. But a lot of what comes with that is love and the concept of relationships. So before we get into that, I want to start off with you. What is your origin story? How did you become who you are today? And then we'll dive into the intricacies and nuances of everything that is building a successful relationship. Sure, sure. Yeah, happy to uh, get into that. Um, Yeah, it's, I don't know, I never really expected myself to be like here where I am today doing what I'm doing, because Um, I don't know. I was, I'm from Michigan. I lived in Michigan my whole life from childhood through university. Um, Didn't really do a ton of traveling, but kind of had a a small world view, you know, and there was a, I remember like a turning point for me was when I decided or realized that it would be helpful to finish my degree on time if I went and studied abroad one summer in the Dominican Republic And I actually had the thought at like 20 years of age that I'll just go and like this will cure me of my travel bug and then I'll be happy to just stay in Michigan for the rest (laughs) of my life, which um, is laughable. You know, it's like the thought of going, I'm just going to do this thing one time and then I'll be done with it. You know, it doesn't really work that way when it comes to travel. So obviously that was ineffective. And then I ended up after college kind of floundering around trying to find my way which somehow led me to spending a year, as you said in the intro, in Ireland, uh, working in a homeless shelter. After that, I realized, well, how can I, how can I continue to 
live and work abroad. Well, I think teaching English is the way to go. So I'm going to explore this. So I went and got certified to do that, taught English in Germany, taught English in South Korea. And then this move to Turkey, which was not really planned, but um, something that just sort of came my way. I was like, I, I can't not do that. So um, yeah, you know, it was, it was kind of a one step led to the next one. You know, it was like, I didn't have this master plan of like what I wanted to do with my career, with my life, but I would take one step and be like, Oh, okay, maybe I'll take another step. Maybe I'll take another step. And there were some, you know, people along the way from the very first move to Ireland, there was always somebody in my ear saying like, Oh, you're going to meet someone. You're going to meet an Irish man. You're going to meet a Korean man. You're going to meet a German man. And I was like, okay, I don't know how to explain this to you, but that's just not the point of what I'm doing here. That's like, I have this, this plan that like, I just want to do as much as I can. I want to see the world. I want to meet people, but not like that, you know? So like, keep it to yourself. Um, and I'm sure that people who said that to me are all now are kind of feeling like, hey, 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 well, you did, didn't you? <laughs> Told you so. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. Who was right? It was me. But um, yeah, so that's that's what what happened in in Turkey was meeting my now husband. We worked together, and um, there was just so much that kind of was new and uncharted in our relationship, especially in those early months, years that um, at some point it was like, okay, I think I need to, I, there's something that I wish existed in the world. And so I'm going to take it upon myself to be the one to create it because, you know, otherwise who's going to kind of thing. Right. And for those listening, the process that was really uh, interesting and, and, and challenging and beautiful and at the same time is the process of navigating or working through a fiance visa, you know, so essentially Casey fell in love in Turkey and you both realized that you were going to get married at some point. And then the immigration options to all the cultural misunderstandings was really, really challenging. And so that led you down this path of what you now call boilerless stories, correct? Yes. Yes, definitely. Yeah. And it's interesting because this K-1 visa, the fiance visa is, um, people are a lot more familiar with it now because of reality TV, like 90 day fiance and all of the like spinoff shows that come from that. Um, and yeah, I'm just like, well, I, I'm just here to be like, that's not totally realistic. You know, like we're not all reality TV kind of relationships, you know, like that's, some yeah. of us are just normal, regular people who are like, um, just trying to live in the same country as you. And there's, there's no big drama there, you know, um, which a fun fact is that I, I did have an interaction with, uh, casting people from 90 day fiance when they, they tweeted at me and were like, do you want to apply to be on our show? I was like, no, not even a you little bit, but no. you said no. <laughs> well, I said, first I said, let me see the application. And I looked at it and I was like, oh no, 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 no. Like if you're asking me on the application, like what are some potential sources of drama? You know, I'm like, uh, no, I don't think that I want to like start stirring stuff up just in the, while we're like trying to plan a wedding and, you know, live in the same place again after being separated and all that good stuff. And like, I don't think I want a camera crew. Yeah, no, I, no. I don't think you yeah. do as well. But okay, so this I'm so curious. Paint the picture for me. You all, you all, you meet um, your husband. Um, am I saying his name right, Hussein? Yes. Yes. You you meet Hussein in Turkey. I, I think I, while I was doing research, it was the first day you were there, or yes. first day you were at work. First day at work. Yeah. Okay. Now, what what was it like? Was it love at first sight? 
<laughs> he was like, no, it was just like, oh, he seems nice, you know? Because um, again, I was never in that mentality of like, all right, I am like husband hunting. So who's who's out there? It was just like, oh yeah, this this guy's nice and he's cute and we're going to be friendly coworkers. Because um, <clears throat> yeah, also I'd never really consider the thought of like dating someone that I worked with, you know, mm. that's, yeah. Um, yeah. So it was just like, we were just friendly. Um, there were many of us who were all friendly with each other and had, um, uh, these group inside jokes, even though we didn't hang out, we would all wish happy birthday to each other, like as a greeting every day. Um, and it took about a year before things started to develop there, you know, and then we, about a year after we met was when we started dating. Um, which, you know, it's lucky that just prior to that, I had decided to stay for another year because my contract was only for a year at the beginning. So I could have easily just been like, well, that was great. That was fun. Um, onto something different now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That, and, and that's so interesting. The reason why I want you to paint the picture is because I, this is a concept that I always wanted to explain to people. It's so interesting that love just happens. I think a lot of people think I'm going to decide that I'm going to fall in love and it's going to happen like that. But you, yours was a natural progression. It was coworker or friendship. And then as circumstances would have it there, you know, there were countries between you two, but when you decided that you and him were getting very, very serious, I don't know how that conversation goes because normally if you're in the same country, the conversation is okay. So what are we doing? We right. need a family. Uh, do I move or do I move in or do you move in? Or, you know, you have those conversations, but with you, it was okay. Well, there's a visa. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it might be 90 days or you might have to move all your life. You might not work. And, uh, but, uh, just trust me that the process will flow. And, oh, by the way, there might be some miscommunication with our families and, um, but I love you. <laughs> right. Basically, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, there so, was a, yeah. a lot. There's a lot that, I mean, thankfully, we had time. We were in Turkey together for about two years before we um, came to the US. But there was there. So there was still time to do some of that, like, well, what are we doing? Let's figure it out as we go sort of thing. But yeah, it still does at some point come down to that point of like, well, what are we going to do? How are we going to continue to be together? I was feeling really ready to to come back home. I had lost uh, my grandfather while I was gone and my grandmother was was getting, you know, her condition was was worsening and I felt like I needed to be home. Um, and so we were trying to figure out, well, how can we both be there? How can we be at least be closer? Can we now this is kind of a funny story. Our, our first thought was like, well, maybe we can both go teach English somewhere in Latin America, because I had in my research, I had found that that was there were countries in Latin America where a non-native English teacher could actually find work. You know, obviously it's really, it would be really hard or impossible for my husband to teach English in the U.S., but, you know, I was just trying to check out our, our options. And um, the, it, it just, it ended up kind of being like a comedy of errors. Like we were trying to get jobs at this one, one school where, about midway through the process, someone told me the uh, at the school told me that, well, we can only hire Casey because, uh, you know, your husband's got an accent and so we can't hire him, well, your fiance at the time. But um, you can both come. There will be options for how he can get there. You're just going to probably have to get a spousal visa. And at that point, 
actually we weren't engaged yet at that point we were just dating and so we looked at each other and we're like well is there an option that's not gonna like piss off both of our families because we can't get (laughs) married just so we can both you know be in the same country um and then that was that was kind of the impetus for a conversation about like hey you know this is a super romantic way to propose marriage to each other but yeah that's an option you know we can we're we're committed we know we're in this thing so let's explore what our options are um how that would even work you know like getting married where would we go to, where would we be where how would we get there all that kind of stuff so that was the beginning of researching like the fiance visa process and all of that fun stuff which was i felt like it was um like a legal education for me almost you know yeah, I mean, but th- that's so interesting. So y- you were both trying to be in the same country, essentially. And yes. they tell you, well, you have to be engaged, essentially, if, if you're yeah. thinking about an option. Um, did anyone freak out initially? I know you said, you know, both of you asked for other options, but I'm wondering if anyone of you was like, you know. Not about the commitment, but about the the job, for sure. Immediately, we're both like, yeah, that's not going to happen. You know, like that's. <laughs> That's no, that's, that's not a good, you know, he hadn't met my parents in real life at that point yet, only via Skype. And so it was like, let's just imagine a reality where we both get married here and then we move to another country away from both of our families and like everyone's angry at us and lose, lose, you know, like that's just, that's not a, it's not going to work. So, of course. Um, yeah. 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 But, then, but then as you two, you two ultimately decided that's the best option. And as you decide that, how do you, you know, basically navigate and tell him that, well, he's just not going to be able to work for X amount of days because the the process involves, is it 90 days? Because I, I keep I keep hearing the 90 day fiance, but what exactly is the amount of time that's involved between acquiring the fiance visa, applying for the fiance visa, and then moving to the country? Yeah. So, well, here's our timeline. I think things are going a little slower now because this was uh, in 2016 when we did all this. So we, we filled out the paperwork in the spring, in May, and he got his visa in uh, November, December. Whoa, December. Okay. Whoa, yeah. so it took, it took from May to December. Okay. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, but he was still in Turkey at that point. I had to leave in September because my Turkish visa expired. Um, so then I was in the U.S. and waiting for him to go to his interview and do all that kind of stuff, which, you know, there's a certain amount of nerves with that, especially um, post-election and everything. We're kind of like, I don't know if if anything has changed, if, if what's our yeah. plan B if this doesn't work. Yeah. But so he got his visa in December and then, excuse me, and then he came to the U.S. And so the 90-day window is the amount of time you have you're required to get married within those 90 days. We were like, we're not going to wait. Like initially our, I was thinking, well, why don't we, you know, have take the full 90 days and like plan the wedding that we want to have and all that stuff. But, um, I think it was stressful for both of us thinking about him not being able to work, planning a wedding, doing all that kind of stuff. And I was like, wait a minute, what if we just get married like legally? And then we have a party later. So we got married nine days after he, arrived. So I think he was, they say it takes what, an, a day per hour of time difference that to get over jet lag. I think he had just gotten over his jet lag and then we got married, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but then after that, after getting married, then there's a, a more paperwork that you do for your adjustment of status, 
which that's when the um, you're applying, you're changing from having this visa to having a, a conditional green card. And that's what you're waiting for to be authorized to work. You also can apply for employment authorization and advanced parole at the same time. And he did get those a little bit earlier, a little bit before he got his green card, but he wasn't, hmm, he wasn't able to work until I'm, I'm fuzzy on dates now because clearly I haven't had a, you know, immigration interview recently or else I'd be firing them off. Like, yeah, I know all, every single one is memorized, but I think it was definitely at least this spring, April or May. So it was quite a while, you know, and that's, that's a, it's a tricky situation to put anyone in where it's like, all right, you're coming to a new country, you know, that's exciting, but it's also stressful. Um, you're getting married, which is a major life change and you can't work. So good luck with all your free time and all your stress and feelings, you know? Oh my gosh. You know, I'm, I'm remembering, I don't know if you've seen this movie, it's The Proposal with yes. Ryan Reynolds, yes, and Sandra Bullock. Now, I don't know how accurate that is, but there are yes. there are, there are moments when, you know, they get to, you know, ask questions, interviews, you right. know. I don't know, uh, your favorite color, when did you, you know, when did you do move together? What are his or her favorite things? And I'm imagining you have to get ready for those type of questions as well. Well, that was so those questions are generally if they have any reason to suspect that it's not a legitimate ah. relationship. So I still I still wanted to know what those questions were. So I went and found a list of them online and was like, oh, my gosh, it's like, how many uh, doors are there in your home? What color <laughs> is your partner's toothbrush? Like just a, you know, a lot of kind of random things. What color socks is he or she wearing today? Um, but for us, it was pretty straightforward. The questions are just, you know, the ones that they ask, that they have to ask when you go through and it's like, um, you know, are you planning to try and overthrow the government? And they just rattle through these questions really Wait, fast. Wait, they asked that question? Well, they, like, maybe not exactly, but uh, <laughs> basically there, there's a list of questions. It's like, are you, are you a terrorist? Are you going to do all of these terrible things? And it's like, I think the only reason someone would say yes is if the questions were being asked really fast and they didn't understand the question, you know, which Mm -hmm. I could definitely see happening because it's just, you know, someone's going through a list of like, okay, I've asked this question 20 times today. So are you going to do this? No. Okay, great. You know, Um, but yeah, it was just kind of that and just checking over our our papers and all that stuff, you know. Gotcha. So, okay. Okay. So now, so now, now, now we're here, you, you fill out the application and at what point did you decide that borderless stories is something you need to actually create? I, so I started, um, the concept was like, as soon as our relationship was public, because, oh, that's a fun fact that we had a secret relationship for two years. Um, not secret from our families or our like close <laughs> friends at work, but from the vast majority of our coworkers and all of our students, um, you know, naturally you don't really want to share your personal life with your students just anyway. But, um, yeah. So when it was like, okay, we've left our jobs we're we can be public now, like no one's going to potentially, I don't know, be frustrated that by that, or, you know, not want to renew our contracts, not that we wanted them to be renewed. Um, that was when I started that just like, I, I bought the domain name and was like, all right, I'm going to start something here. And at that point, I just wanted other people to share their stories. And I just wanted to like have a collection of stories that we could do, you know, people could read and like not feel alone. But that was then when my like teaching 
background kicked in, you know, and I was like, hey, wait a minute, you know, people don't write things. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. It's just because you tell them to. You know, I've taught enough students to know that, like, you need to, like, hold their hand and remind them and remind them and give them a deadline and do all this kind of stuff. So that was a bust. That didn't, that wasn't, um... And it wasn't what I ultimately wanted it to be anyway. Uh, but it wasn't until we were back here in the U.S. and I started taking some various online courses about stuff where I realized, hey, this could actually be a business. This could actually be work that I do that is meaningful because there, there is like there's not a lot of resources out there and people do feel isolated and they feel alone and unsupported and the th- one thing that was the most significant to me that I was like, oh, I don't want other people to feel that way is feeling like there's something going on. There's a conflict that you're navigating that you can't share with the people in your life who you would normally share things with. Because if you tell them that, then they're going to judge you or your partner and because they're not going to be able to understand it because of that cultural lens. So you have to just keep it to yourself, you know, where it's like things you know, I think a classic example with this would be something about like gender roles, which are perceived very differently in different countries and different cultures. Um, And if you have a conflict with your partner about something to do with gender roles and who should be responsible for what, you know, I I can easily imagine someone saying that to their best friend or their mom or whatever. And that person saying, "Ugh, dump him, you know, like who thinks that way? Because that's how we tend to look at different cultural views in our own, you know, whereas we don't consider that somebody might actually be doing inner work and trying to have their own feelings or, or move past whatever has been ingrained from, from them by their culture. Of course. Yeah. So, yeah. So I was like, I, wouldn't it be great if there was a place to where you could say this stuff and somebody would say, oh yeah, huh, I totally get that. Instead of saying like, oh, really? Why would you put up with that? I thought you were a strong, confident person who wouldn't let somebody you know, in your life who thinks that way. Yeah. sounds like there are a lot of, you know, internal uh, conversations you have and the idea of overwhelm that could come from geographic, linguistic and cultural barriers uh, exist. And then you, we, you can add in the layer of biases and, and, and influences. And we talk about how, uh, I know something if you, you talk about a lot is the cultural iceberg, you know, you know, all these assumptions that, that come into play. It's a lot of it's a lot of work, and, and obviously there are not a lot of platforms that discuss this. You don't learn about this in school, mm-hmm. and when they tell you about traveling, they don't tell you about the other things that come into play with you right. know with culture <laughs> with culture right. misunderstandings. 
But yeah. then I, my question to you too, uh, for, for you and, um, and I say it is, did you find that communication and trust was very important? Then? Because people always say communication and trust are the bedrocks of many successful relationships. But I'm wondering if you needed to add something else to make your intercultural marriage work. I definitely agree about communication and trust. Um, the third piece that I would add to that is inner work. Um, and I would think that would benefit anyone, not just if they're from different cultures, but, um, you know, I, in thinking about the iceberg, so with the women that I work with, I was kind of like just, you know, brainstorming one day and I drew this iceberg and was like thinking about like, I love that depiction, Edward T. Hall, you know, it's like the visible part and the invisible part. But what I realized with that too, is in like, well, anything, I mean, many things can be described as icebergs, including ourselves, because there are parts of, of us that are visible, you know, even as far as our feelings may be visible, but then there are parts of us that are invisible too. And that being, you know, why we feel the way we do, why we react the way we do, why we believe the way we do. And so I had this this thought of like, well, when we're trying to navigate these two icebergs, I've got mine and he's got his, you know, where do I start? And the answer isn't going to be for me to like look over at him and be like, hey, I think I see a way over there, like under the surface of the water, it looks like you've got this belief thing going on. You know, you might want to look at that. What I realized is like, I have to be the, I got to like put on my, boy, really warm scuba suit, I guess, because it's an iceberg. It's, the water's going to be really cold, but I have to dive down by myself, like next to my own iceberg and be like, why am I feeling this way? Why am I reacting this way? What's my deal? Because if I can't understand my own subconscious reactions and biases and all that kind of stuff, then how the heck am I going to even begin to interact with this other person who's got his own stuff, you know? And like, um, so I think that getting to that place where we start to understand ourselves better, that helps with communication, that helps with trust. And it helps both of us grow into like humans, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, you know, it's interesting. I, I can't help but think of the Titanic and Jack and Rose getting hit by an iceberg when you, when you say that, but th that is what can happen in a, in a, uh, if you take it away from that, from that story in the sense that if you, if you really don't do the inner work of understanding where potential conflict and miscommunication could exist or, or how you it's essentially, you know, or influenced by your biases and your way of seeing the world, you could, you run the risk of having this ethnocentric uh, view where you think your culture is better than the other culture. And that mm -hmm. can play a role into anything. And it can manifest itself into something as simple as an argument uh, about the toothpaste and where you're right. squeezing that from. Right. Because all of those resentment, you know, it's, it's, it's built up and you're not even sure where the the snapping is coming from because you just start saying well you you always do this and you do that and i don't even like that you're doing this exactly um, yeah. exactly you save all those things until you get to the bursting point and then they just all come out i um i used on uh, one page on the website i used titanic as a verb there where i'm like you run the risk of titanicing yourselves and uh -oh. i know I mean, I'm like, I'm a t terrible English teacher to make Titanic into a verb, but you know, it's like that iceberg's just looming there waiting to take you down. If you don't ah, do something I, about it, you know, I love it. I was, I was just thinking of that cause I'm, I'm corny in, in general. Yeah. Well, but uh, that's okay. So, okay. So now, now that we've talked about, obviously 
the origin story, your origin story, the origin story of your platform, which is amazing because you help other people who didn't even realize that there was this resource out there. And there's so many people that want to get married uh, and are intimidated by the whole process. And they don't understand that, you know, it's much more than just acquiring the visa. There are a lot of things you're uprooting your life from one place to another place. But if if you're when you're talking to your clients and, and I'm thinking of, of the scenario, what what are the number one uh, what are the sorry the most popular questions rather that get asked often as you're as you're going through your coaching? Um, well, I think it depends on I don't know. I mean, there's there's certainly a piece that comes into play with the fiance visa because there are some people you know, when they're in that process, that's a very specific thing, you know? And so that's when it's that process, we deal a lot with the stress because like, I'm not a legal expert, so I'm not going to, you know, tell you, Hey, you should fill out your application like this. And I don't know, like this, I'm not going to give somebody legal advice, but there's an emotional and, you know, physiological component to that with the stress piece where it's like, okay, yeah, here's how we navigate this, you know, and especially the, the, added stress of planning a wedding, you know, and, and I, um, I'm happy to offer advice along those, those lines, you know, and kind of along lines of what we did of separating the ceremony and the reception and just focusing on, on making this thing legal before you, you know, before it's too, too late to start getting this, the process going for your, um, your partner to get uh, a green card. But I think a lot of things, end up boiling down to being about boundaries because it's it's things that come up that are about, you know, in-law relationships, um, being too, too involved, perceived as too involved in, in our lives or, um, conflicts with, with a partner that, that are ultimately about that having healthy boundaries, both with you and your partner. And then you and your partner kind of like as an Island, your own family unit apart from family, um, which is interesting. I've, I've been finding that I feel like so many conversations that we have, everything comes back to either being about doing work on yourself or having healthy boundaries, which I think those two things go hand in hand. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, yeah. Boundaries are so important, I, it, but it, it, I guess the, the follow-up question to that is, in addition to boundaries, in addition to inner work, in addition to communication and trust, there are outside forces that sometimes you might not be able to control. You know, family, yeah. in-laws, friends, colleagues, all these things. And and for some people, the social circle, it, it's just they've never experienced a social circle like yours and, and the full pause, so, so to do that. So mm-hmm. how do you navigate that feeling of loneliness in a crowd, uh, if, if, if that makes any sense? Or, you know, feeling like no one understands you and, and making sure that that doesn't become a deep-seated resentment. Because that that doesn't necessarily have to do with a relationship. That's more someone feeling something within themselves and maybe not feeling like they have anyone else to turn to. How can that person establish a sense yeah. of yeah, community and confidence? Yeah, I, I like that question. Because I, I, I thought about that with people that I work with, you know, where it's like, yeah, you it is lonely. It is isolating when you don't have those people in your life. And I always want to, you know, be the problem solver and be like, come, come to me. I won't, you won't feel lonely if we're talking together, but (laughs) it's like, that's not, that's a bandaid too. You know, the ultimate thing is like finding that belonging and that inner peace yourself, you know, and kind of, for me, that's also, it's all ends up being, being reflective. You know, I think there's great value in, 
sitting down with a journal, you know, and that's something I hadn't done for like a decade plus until the last few years when it was like, oh, wow, this helps me process through these things. And if I'm feeling isolated and I'm feeling misunderstood because people around me don't get me, then when I start writing about it, I start to find that like, oh, I understand where they're coming from. I understand that they're not jerks. They're not like, you know, ignorant people who don't care about me. This, this is their worldview. Like they, they only know what is in their immediate sphere. So of course they don't understand things my way. And so now that I can understand them, I can be a little more generous if maybe I have an opportunity to, to educate or to inform. But, um, there, it's interesting to me how you can find that comfort and belonging within yourself. Yeah. That makes sense. Absolutely. No. Yeah. And, and, and it takes a lot of, uh, work to do there because, that that does become very confident that just i'm sorry that does involve you being confident with your identity and um and how that identity is not lesser because Mm -hmm. you're in a different culture and i'm saying this is someone who's had an identity crisis uh and had to learn how to embrace his identity in the nuanced world of moving around five countries and four continents right uh while also observing my mom you know as when you're when you're a diplomatic spouse or someone that's a, um, a trailing spouse, I believe it's the term, mm-hmm. uh, you, you a lot of times might have to quit your job to move to, to your spouse's uh, post, uh, posted country for four or three years. And then you're there by yourself and you have to start that community all over again. And so right. I, was just, I was just thinking about that in, 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 uh, in terms of you and Hussein. But it's, yeah. uh, it's just... Yeah. yeah, well, I think it's something that, you know, we have both had to go through with uh, both of our our moves, you know, and I think that our our community is pretty small right now. You know, we both tend to, to go for uh, quality over quantity. So we don't have like a, a massive social circle, but the people that we are in our lives, we would go deep, you know, like we're not going to really do a lot of like, oh, let's talk about surface level stuff that, you know, isn't exhausting at all. It's like, no, we're going to talk about like your relationship with your parents, you know, and like how things are really going. Um, and I think that that's something, you know, I think a lot, I'm sure a lot of people who listen to your podcast relate to the moving to a new place and starting from scratch and not knowing anyone, not having that built in, you know, community. Um, I, I don't know that to me, like my, my moves overseas were what I view that as like my real education more so than my four years of undergrad, you know, and um, because there was so much inner growth that comes from being in a situation where I realized like there's, I can't depend on anyone else right now, you know, like living alone for the first time in Germany, for example. And I was like, I don't, I don't have anyone. I don't know anyone. And having to ask myself these, these questions, you know, about like, okay, who is the only person who's never going to abandon me? Who's the only person that I know is always going to be with me? Uh, And it's me, you know, I'm like, there are people, I know my mom's never going to abandon me, but also I'm like, there's 36 years of age difference between us. So I can't bank on that, you know? Um, So getting to that point of of feeling like, okay, I got to be my own best friend. I got to like myself. I got to get to know myself for starters, because we don't always know ourselves that well. But um, I don't know. That's, that's, that's been it. It's interesting how you travel the world in order to end up learning more about yourself. You know, I've seen the same thing in in Hussein, you know, where the, the inner work that he's done since moving to the U S I'm like, 
wow, you know, it's not like it was impossible for him to do it in Turkey, but that that move is like such a catalyst for personal growth. No, and I, and I love that you said that because I, I've always thought that, and 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 I just, you know, the idea of self awareness is is much more than just you know personal development and and growing up. It really allows us to be better friends, to be better leaders, and better communicators because yeah. we are aware of our triggers, our biases, and and things that are we value so much. And yeah. once once you have this intimate knowledge of of what those things are. You know, you're able to navigate so much nuance because the world is full of nuance, despite the binary uh, approaches that many institutions will have you believe is yeah. the best way to do that. So, yeah, yeah. that's very important uh, to, to segue into the world today. We are obviously in this interesting time, you know, regardless mm -hmm. of where you live, there's there are divisive systems depending on your political uh, ideals. But it, it, it's happening here, it's happening in Europe, it's happening in several countries in, in Africa, in, in Asia, um, Latin America, uh, South America. And so I'm curious as to what you feel like is a solution to get people to see past their uh, biases and their worldviews. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really important to look at the community that you're surrounded by, you know, and I think that even those of us who who think that we are aware and open-minded and all of this kind of stuff. It's like, well, look at the people that you spend the most time with. And if they all look like you and if they all pray like you, and if they all, you know, identify the same way that you do and all, all of these different things, then, then that's where we start to have a, a problem, you know, because we don't, we don't even realize that there are people out there who might not have the same level of privilege that we do, or who might have a very different experience moving through the world. And it's really hard to hate someone when you know them, you know, it's really hard to like, if you like, you care about someone when you meet them, like, how can you not care about them unless you're a psychopath or a sociopath, you know? Um, yeah. But that's, that's where, you know, I've, I've had my eyes opened to communities just based on meeting one member of that community and then saying, oh, wow, I had never considered what it was like to be a member of your community. And now I see ways that I've I've been uh, biased or closed minded. Um, and I, I don't want to be like that anymore, you know, and that's hard because we have to seek it out in some ways. You know, I think many of us are, are happy to be in our, our little bubbles. Um, but, you know, at least being open to the possibility and at least, if nothing else, trying to educate yourself by like, if you're, if you're not comfortable going out and meeting people, you're like, I'm, I'm the true, true, true introvert and I don't want to make any, you know, social interaction this whole week, then read a book from a perspective, you know, written by a member of a community from that perspective or watch a documentary or something, do something to, to get inside the experience of another person, right. um, just to start having that, you know, putting cracks in that bubble that, that we all have, that we, um, move through the world with this like protective bubble. That's like, I only see things through the lens of this bubble. Yeah. You know? Uh, you're, you're essentially advocating for us to learn how to humanize each other. I, yeah, because I, I think I'll obviously, I, I hope so. I'm saying obviously it becomes harder to hurt the ones you love when you know that you're doing something that could be benefit, uh, could be detrimental to their health, safety, 
and, and mindset. And so a lot of times I've noticed, at least with my experience, especially with diversity and inclusion work, it's it, when people make all these insensitive uh, <laughs> remarks or, or dangerous policies, they just aren't aware. And obviously you have those people who are apathetic and don't care, but a lot of the people uh, are usually not aware and they just think you're just making something up. So, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, wow. This, this, is, this has been a wide ranging uh, interview. It's been very yeah, <laughs> interesting to get into the, in the mind of, uh, of you, Casey. So wh what are you, what are you up to? Where can people reach out to you? Um, and how can people, you know, extend their relationship with you beyond this podcast? Yeah. Um, I think the easiest way to find me is probably on my website, which is borderlessstories.com. Um, and that's where I have all the things, you know, way, ways to work with me. The, the only way I really am working with people at the moment is in my um, membership community, which is where we, you know, work through all of the, all the stuff. Um, and on Instagram as well, which I, rather than trying to get people to understand how to spell my last name, which is, you know, a Turkish last name now, and it's not, doesn't come naturally to many American ears, um, is Borderless Stories podcast. So that's, that's where... I spend most of my time. Well, all those, of course, will be in the show notes. Awesome. I'll, make sure, I'll make sure I put that there. And also, uh, ladies, gentlemen, and gender nonconformers, please do check out her, her, her stories of platform, her podcast. She didn't mention her podcast. She's got a podcast yeah. as well. Uh, <laughs> right. And there are many ways to, to just interact with her. She's got an amazing blog. She's very, very transparent, as you can see. But, you know, if you know anyone who is even just – intimidated by the whole process of, of falling in love across cultures or, or the intricacies that are involved in that. I mean, she's a great person to talk to. And if you just know anyone that wants to understand how to navigate cross-cultural relationships, period, beyond uh, just a romantic level, another uh, amazing resource um, for you to talk to. So I uh, just want to thank you for spending uh, so much time. But before that, I have to ask you this last question. This okay. is the question, question I ask all my audience, uh, all my guests rather. And it's my mission statement reframed as a question. How do you use your difference to make a difference? I like that question. <laughs> I, heard, I heard you ask it to Lena and then I was like, oh, how am I going to answer that? <laughs> um, I think it's about following, for me, it's about like, I'm naturally a very curious person and I can see that as a, a fault sometimes when I've got 20 browser tabs open and I'm like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing today because I'm researching this thing that's not related at all to what I'm doing. But I think that following your curiosity and acting on it is a great way to kind of start to take steps towards whatever it is that you're moving towards. You know, for me, it's like I maybe haven't always knowing what the next step is, but just following something that I'm curious about has, um, it's never steered me wrong. Now, granted, I'm not curious about like serial killers, which that might steer me wrong if I started going too far down that path. But um, yeah, I think that, if that makes sense, does that make sense? That makes sense. That's exactly what my, my best friend says all the time, follow your curiosity. And I, you know, I, was, I did a video recently, I was talking about the importance of not letting go of your passions. And I think it's so... It's so interesting to explore, you know, what you're passionate about and what you're curious about, because those things hold the clue to what your purpose and your career could be. So, yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah, wow. awesome. <laughs> so, that was amazing. That was amazing. So, Casey, 
It's been a true pleasure, and thank you so much for coming on the show. I really, uh, I love the authenticity that you, you've shown. Thanks for having me, Tayo. It was, it was great talking with you. The pleasure is mine. Until next time, ladies, gentlemen, and gender nonconformers, use your difference to make a difference. You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to reach out to Tayo and to use your difference to make a difference, head over to www.tayoroxon.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.